Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Happy Thursday to you. Yes, it's episode 117 with Neve Algar. And more of that in a second. It's the 12th of March, 2020. I don't know why I'm saying that. Like, you don't know what year it is. You know what year it is. Of course you do. Um, I hope you're all well. How was your week? Pretty good. Yeah. Wanting this weather to improve. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. You're saying, Craig, I haven't been anywhere. I haven't been out. I'm a bit worried. Don't try not to be worried. Uh, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, you might have seen what I posted at the weekend. I took my little boy to see the new Pixar film, thinking we were legging it there, thinking oh, we're going to miss getting a ticket. It's going to be sold out. We were the only two people in a big IMAX cinema. And as nice as that was for him, and there was a little part of me that, you know, did enjoy having the cinema to myself. It did make me worry uh, about businesses and certainly independent businesses. So do go and support your local businesses during this time. And that was a big multiplex I was in. Do you know what I mean? It just made me think. Um, and I'm going to get onto independent cinema as well in a second. But first off, can you do me a massive favour? I got approached by a great charity called We Are Hummingbird. They ask uh, certain people to make playlists, uh, about songs that mean something to them or have helped them during certain times. And they asked me, and I did, and it was really, really hard. It's a bit like someone saying, you know, give me a top five favourite films. You can't do it because, you know, like films, like music, it changes with your mood and your emotions and, and how you're feeling. So um, it took me a few weeks to compile this playlist. And then when I sent it off the next day, I did think, oh, I'm, I don't feel like that anymore. I would have changed this. But that was how I was feeling on the day. So if you can, go to wearehummingbird.com and check out all the playlists that are there and just give them a read, see what they do. They're great, great guys. Um, and a massive thank you to everybody who's joined us on patreon.com forward slash two shot pod. You know that we do all these amazing free conversations week in, week out, and we are supported by you. So... Whatever you do to support us, I just want to say we really appreciate it. And those new people that have joined us will be getting one of those beautiful, lovely enamel badges made by our friends at onestopbadges.com. Now, how are you? I'm only asking because I'd love you to come and see us on the 28th for the Not Quite Light Festival in Manchester. Uh, go to notquitelight.com, our Not Quite Light Festival. Dot com, Google it, you'll find it. There's still tickets available. I am talking all things Manchester, Salford and Coronation Street with Jenny McAlpine and possibly another few surprise guests. Then the next day, I'm jumping in the car and I'm going to Birmingham to close Birmingham Podfest. Uh, that's 29th at Birmingham with a very, very special guest, the brilliant author, comedian, actor, uh, Mr. Ben Miller. I'm really, really excited about that. Now, on to this week's episode, episode 117. Um, a, f- 
few months back, we got approached, as we do, to ask if we wanted to come on the press junket uh, and interview some actors, one of them being Neve Algar for this tremendous film called Calm With Horses. Now, I'm always kind of reticent to do any sort of press junkie interviews because we don't necessarily talk about jobs that much when we have actors on. And I don't want my time to be limited. I don't want 40 minutes, 25 minutes, and you know, I, I, I want a, a free conversation. But I, so I turned it down because last year, myself and Neve got in touch and we'd been planning on a date and this seemed like the right date to do it because she was free and I was free and we sat down. Now, I'm going back on my word here because in the morning when I was travelling to London to go and meet Neve, I was sent a copy of Calm With Horses and I watched it on the train and it blew me away. It is extraordinary storytelling from a first-time director. I didn't even know it was his first time. It's a stunning piece of work, great performances, and it, it it's not the film you think it is. We get into this in the conversation because we do end up talking about this film. There's no spoilers, I don't think, so don't worry. But you can obviously hear how passionate I was about the film. And go and see this film. It's out tomorrow, March 13th. Go and support independent cinema anytime, but surely during a time like this, they need your support and help and spread the word with this film because it is a fantastic film. And you know me, there is no way I would sell you something. Well, I would tell you something was very good if I didn't believe in it myself. Anyway, let's get down to this. Um, Neve is incredible company and she's a right laugh. I think you're really going to enjoy this. This is episode 117 with Neve Algar. Enjoy and I shall see you at the end. Um, I don't usually, I certainly don't start off talking about things like this, as you know, because when I have actors on talking, I don't talk about work. No. Because I don't want it to feel like work. You, you know where I'm coming from. I know that, exactly what you're talking about. Because yeah. everybody does. Everybody knows that, oh, it's part and parcel of the yeah. job. Even people who listen to this who like nothing to do with the industry, they kind of understand. And I think there was a few early episodes when they went, oh, can you not talk about so-and-so? Can you not talk about This Is England with Vicky and all that? And it's like, well... All those stories are kind of out there. Yeah. And I don't really want to retread. But (laughs) having said that, I'm going to... Oh, can you hear that? Yeah. Is it going to whistle? the kettle start. I hope it does. That'll be be lovely. That'll be lovely. So we'll know when it's done. Wholesome. So I was coming into London yesterday. Yeah. I was on the train. And I was watching Calm With Horses. And it was a very, very busy train. And there's a certain scene in it and we can kind of bleep this out because I don't really want to talk too much about the film because I don't want any yep. spoilers. And me being me, because I'm so excited about the film and I really enjoyed it, and, and I, I, I don't really... If it's if things are shit, then I'll, I just want to talk about it. <laughs> but this is really <laughs> like good. You didn't get right into watching Sometimes uh, my mouth runs away with me, so my brain doesn't connect. I'll just sort of... I'll just gabber, gabber, gabber about it, and I don't want to do that. But there was a scene, and I don't know if this is because... I'm a dad and I've got a young boy. Mm-hmm. But when he takes him to that rather grim fair... Yeah. And they're just about to... He wants to win... Arm wants to win the prize... Yeah. ...for little Jack. And, and he's got a gun. 
yeah. and you're just going, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 you need to be sensitive about this. And I, and it was packed train, but I just started welling up when there was a woman sat next to me. She was going, what's he watching? Because I was really trying to sort of yeah. repress my emotions, but it really got to me. It's a really powerful scene and hardly anything said. Yeah, it's all in the reaction. Yeah. And it's mostly all played on Jack, the little boy, who's Who five. Yeah. Was phenomenal. He's amazing. Killian, yeah. Where where did Shaheen find him? Um, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where they got Killian. Uh, I, I think it was obviously, a, there was a massive big, you know, for kids. Yeah. And because Killian is playing a character of Jack, who's got like, he's non-verbal autism exactly it's, they don't and kid that killian is that he doesn't have that condition so he doesn't no 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 i mean they they don't unless i missed it they don't really put a label on it no. on the film do they no it's they kind don't of left open well that's it it's it's from the understanding of cosmo's character arm he he doesn't seem as any different to any other little boy. Well, because is yeah. He says in one of those first scenes, well, something like, and this might be a misquote, that, oh, I was a late starter growing yeah. up as well. So it, it, so in a way, Cosmo's character is so childlike and yeah. so old school in one person. Yeah. Because it's like this, it would be like someone from, I don't know, my dad's generation going, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. It'll grow out of it yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Because there's a beautiful naivety to it. Because he, and what I think my character Ursula loves about that is the fact that he's not treating him any differently. But then when situations change where he's in a very loud, crowded space Mm. with people he doesn't know and when things don't go to plan and there's no routine, that's when, you know, that's when he becomes extremely anxious and Cosmo's character doesn't understand that. So Mm. it's the you know, the whole ignorance is bliss until, you know, comes around and literally bites him in the ass yeah. and bites him on the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it was, it's a really hard one to watch because that's, you just see a dad who's really trying. He's Re- trying really, really hard. Really trying. And, um, you know, it's, and he can't control his emotions and that's his massive weakness. You know, we all have, in life, we all have, you know, things are challenges and his is to control his emotion and he's just so used to being able to solve problems through violence and with someone like a little boy that's so so fragile and and emotional and open it's but it's it's, yeah i got off the train to the hustle and bustle of paddington and i was just thinking about this what i just watched and Mm. it's even now there's my kettle i'm still thinking about i mean it's so it's so beautiful but so devastating and bleak at the same time. Mm-hmm. But the you three, now I got your character before you even spoke. You know when you <laughs> sat at the table when he comes in, I went, "Oh well, I've, I know where I know where she's at. Yeah, and she's got control. And she's trying to change. She's yeah. trying to get yeah. out for him and for her as well. I mean, and Do that and those with." Um, Cosmo and Barry's character, the suction of mice and men yeah. about those two really hit me. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't... The connection that those two characters have is really, is, is really beautiful. And everyone's, everyone's like, it's this toxic mas- masculinity, but... <laughs> no, there's a love there. There's a love the, there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how many times does he say how much he... he I love he, you, man. I love you, man. Yeah. You're my bro and all that. I mean, I yeah. people say that a lot, but the, when he t- says that, yeah. I love you, you really get it. Mm. 
I absolutely loved it. Oh, I geez. loved your character. You were just fantastic. In it. Oh, geez. Thanks so much. And I was listening to a, um, an interviewer speak to an actor the other day, and, he, and I was thinking, don't start off with that question. Don't start off with that question. <laughs> and he started, oh, thanks, Griff. He started, Griff's pouring the um, kettle for me into my water. He's very kind. And the interviewer asked the actor, um, so what drew you to the script? And I went, don't ask that. Nobody wants to no. answer that. Also, you can't, you can't remember why you, or what well, you do, but... You just go, oh, it's really fucking good. Yeah. Hey. And I got offered it. Yeah. So I really wanted to work with these people, so I think I'm quite lucky <laughs> And that's the it. end of the answer. You can't really elaborate no. on that. No, not at all. Um, obviously, I'm going to talk... I'll probably talk about the film a bit more in the intro yeah. to this. Um, but it was... Yeah, it kind of bowled me over. Oh, great. Because there were so many things that they... So many roads that they could have gone down mm-hmm. and they didn't. So it's the stuff that you don't see and the stuff that isn't said yeah. that makes such an impact. Yeah. And was was that already in the script or were those choices that were made in the edit? And what I'm kind of referring to is especially things like the ending, which I'm not going to talk about. Is the phone call? Yeah, um, yeah, the phone call. I mean, after the phone call as well, about how I think in the hands of a lesser storyteller, you would have seen things that are more powerful in your mind that you didn't see on screen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. really trying to choose all my you, words all, very, very carefully. All you see is light against the wall. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You I'm getting a bit I'm, emotional now when I'm thinking about it because I... <laughs> I I was in I was in the room when we shot the phone call, and so oh, yeah yeah because I think um, they had asked they had asked was it okay if I was to be on set because we weren't going to do it in post mm. and also I was like God yeah God if I was doing a really emotional heavy scene where, which it is which is so it's like the heaviest and 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 Cosmo had you know he's I think method is but it's not it's. I think method is a lazy word nowadays. I think if you just yeah. it's, it's prep and it's it's commitment to to it and being open um, to a role. And he he is all that in this. And I think he's like that in every project. But you and know, also every actor has their yeah. method of working anyway. So kind of what does it exactly? Mean? So you know, if, if it's a phone call, but you know, on, if you look at a call sheet and you go, oh well, how, how comes the other person isn't going to be on set that day? And it's like, well, because they're on the other end of the phone and. You, they won't be seen on camera, but you're like, oh, but I have to, you have to be there on set to give them something. Of course. So yeah, we like said, absolutely, I'll be, I'll be there in the room, and you know, it was just behind a curtain, <laughs> just, and I could hear exactly everything he was saying. We tried to do it over a phone, um, and that was the was signal of interference and all that kind of stuff. Right, like, you yeah. couldn't really hear, and they were you were picking up kind of double sounds, especially in Fuck the room. That, that's not going to be conducive no. for that type of scene as well. You yeah. need. Absolute clarity. Yeah, and the funny thing—not the funny thing—is, but I, that was my favorite scene in the whole in the whole script because you've got two characters who are completely at different parts now in their life, and she has no idea what he's going through, and, yeah, and vice versa. And there's there's so much of the unsaid, and um, <laughs> yeah, I was like trying not to kind of sit into the emotion of where he was at because I, you know because I know what's going on yeah you know? of course um, I'm an actor so it was just to make sure that you weren't feeding against uh, feeding into that and being completely naive to what was I mean it absolutely know. broke me 
<laughs> in, in a really good yeah. way. But I just thought yeah. it was it was very beautifully handled. I thought yeah. the whole the whole film was and the performances were. Yeah. And in a way, and then I was thinking about Ursula. And I was going, in a way, she's got two children to take yeah. care of. Two children with big, heavy loads to carry. Yeah, and you know she's. It's not as if she hasn't had a checkered past. You know, it was bringing that to it as well, and someone who could have gone down a different route, and also, you know, the company that she would have kept as well. But she's kind of gone. I now have this kid who needs me more than anyone in the whole world. Yeah, and he's going to need me past. You know past being a kid and into adulthood and I think it's the idea of making sure that he can be the best that he can be and it's not going to be in that town and well it can't be for her anymore no. because obviously she's she's carrying that burden of everybody thinking that because because they touch on the checkered past they yeah. everybody else thinks that it's her fault it's, it's the way he is yeah. which is so it's and awful it's, and that's the kind of crap around. you would hear in a, in a small town absolutely and just that that ignorance just a blind ignorance um and yeah and you and you and you're walking around with that weight and you can't it's almost like you can never escape that mm. um but she the, the thing is is not only is she connected with arms character because of the kid but there is a love there. there, and there's you know there's a diner scene in it which kind of comes out of nowhere. But I think I thought it was really I thought it lovely. was beautiful because you meet you remember like why these two people were in love in the first place, yeah, and why they could be still in, why they, that that can that could still be a unit. And there's glimmers of hope, yeah, there, and there's still little spot you still see it. Yeah. And I think it might be the scene after the diner, and I think they might be back at Ursula's. Uh, yeah, and they're in very close proximity. I'm going, oh, really? Yeah, is they're going to kiss. Yeah. And then she just takes the control again as she does. And yeah, I, yeah. I was so pleased in a way that yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't do that. Yeah, same as. But there's so many scenes like that that I go, oh, I'm thinking. That's why I said before, in the in the hands of a lesser story maker, they yeah. would have done what I predicted or mm. what anybody else would predict. But they don't do that. No. Mm. And know, that was always really tight in the script. Mm. There was some things that they did go back and change. I think upon looking at the edit, there was just because of the pace, you know, it is like, you know, it is a drama thriller. And I think for that to carry through, you kind of need, there's certain beats that you need to keep the audience remembering where the heck the story is going. Yeah. You know, and there was, there was little bits that they went back and reshot, but it came from a short, a book of short stories from a guy called Colin Barrett. And, and then it was adapted by Joe Murtha. And that's when DMC, Michael Fassbender's company was like, Oh, that's very good. We'll have that. Absolutely. And then they, I think they spent about four years trying to get it made. And then right. Shaheen Beige, yeah, cast it. So, yeah, it had, it had all the, it had all the ingredients for, for something that was going to be very special. And then, you know, Nick, this is Nick's first film. Is it really? Yes, yeah, first feature. It's so accomplished. It's so accomplished. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, like, you look at it and you go, nah, I wouldn't have thought that. No, no, because yeah. every, Every scene, they always say, you know, if a scene doesn't drive the story on, get rid of it. But yeah. how many times do we watch films, we watch television programmes and things drag or it's a bit yeah. self-indulgent? I don't, going through it for the first time, I don't think there's any scene that does not drive the story on and move the yeah, there's nothing a there. Place. Yeah, the, the fat has been chewed and there's nothing there that, sh- that shouldn't be there. And that's I, refreshing. I think it's actually, but I think when you've got like independent films, they don't have time no. to do any of that. They, they, that's why the script is so tight. 
when it goes to shoot because they don't have time to... Yeah, they don't have the money either. But then again, we've all seen independent films and we've gone, oh, really, what a wasted opportunity. You've mm. wasted that there. And I don't think anything was wasted here. No. Because I know God, we're really talking about it a lot now. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to like, get off the subject I never do that. But <laughs> I never do it. But then again, I've never really done this before where I've had somebody on and I've just watched their latest thing that isn't even out yet yeah. so I think it's important that I want to talk I'm about I'm delighted you liked it I'm no, I chuffed, love, yeah. honestly I loved it you know me I, I mean you don't but I would never <laughs> <laughs> there's the some of the scenes the intensity of that nightclub scene mm-hmm. where you're there with where Arm sees you with oh, what's his name the lovely Rob. Northern Rob yeah yeah and again, in the hands of a lesser storyteller, something would have erupted there, and it doesn't. It yeah. always stales. It's fucking repressing mm. scales down. But see, if you look at it, that character neutralises situations. If you look at the positive... The Rob f- character? No, Ursula. Right, yes. She neut- Anytime she's brought into a scene, she's trying to neutralise. Things don't escalate. Even no. when she's brought in, kind of like in the, in the third act, just before, you know, shit hits the fan... That's like the last time, and it's it's the, the window for him. I just thought when I read the script, I was like, "She's a voice of reason. She's his one bit of stability in it." So every time she's coming in, it's almost like that was the writer's way of going like, like the women are in the story have are kind of like the positive, you know, they're po- they're the positive pockets. You know, they're trying to make things better, and yeah. they they are the voice of reason in the story. So. Yeah, when that night the nightclub scene kicks off, and almost like I felt like she, her, and Rob in that scene are actually trying to antagonize him into almost like a confrontation. And yeah, the use, you know, they touch on when he was a boxer, and when he was an amateur, and there's a, there's a slight hint at the accident that happened in the ring. And is that the first time we hear about that accident? Yeah. I thought yeah. it was because I thought, and yeah. then I, I was trying to go back going, oh, did I miss something there? Did yeah. I, I had this bit of information yeah. been told before. And I think in the <coughs> original me. script, it had started with a boxing fight and these two young lads fighting and one lad gets hit funny and then doesn't get up. And that was because, you know, the story tell, it, it tells a story of, an, of, a, of a former amateur boxer that could have that could have been the next you know Michael Conlon or McGregor that you know he had the capability and the talent but never got never recovered from knowing that he kills someone in a ring and it was you know it's it's a it's a game it's not it wasn't like he went out his way to kill him but had that kind of had an onset effect but it obviously deeply affected a yeah. lot of people around, yes. around you know, yourself. Yeah. Um, and then basically, you know, your, ha- your your fist basically kill that guy. And then you have a family that are looking for a heavy, that are looking for an enforcer that they don't have in their own family. So they take him in when he's at, probably at his most vulnerable. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it's so the, clever, you know. The amount of times I think even, might be Ursula that says it first, they're not your family. No. And you're, you're not, who says it first? Uh, I'm not going to give too much away, but they said, this isn't you. This Say something like yeah, this. Yeah, this isn't you, you, not real you. Yeah. Yeah, I say that. I, yeah. I, I, oh, <laughs> I, tell you, I, just, I was like, no, it's not you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not It's not loyalty, it's servitude. Yeah. yeah. And the, the beautiful scene where... <laughs> this is giving the whole... <laughs> everyone's like, oh, what's going on in this? So, so no, I, we're not. We're, we're well, I don't think we're giving too no, much away. 
No. Um, there's a, again, which I think is a really nice balance between the diner scene is when Arm comes to see you and Jack when he's having the horse riding lesson. Yes, that is gas. Oh, That God. was hilarious, yeah. There's so much beauty in that scene. Yeah. It doesn't start off like that, but she's kind of quite hostile yeah. that he arrives. I know, because he's, he's kicked off yeah. before, the last time he's there. And, you know, this is a girl who's trying to establish herself in the community that she, you know, she has got her shit together. And then all of a sudden, this, her ex-boyfriend is turning back up again. Um, at a place where you know you got a lot of, a lot of kids that, you know, require special attention, and you have this lad who's coming in going, "I want to have a go up on a horse." Yeah, um, we're about to have a retirement lesson as well after that, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was gas. Yeah, the they had, they had the stunt horse in, and um, God, that was that was, and that scene, you know, it's like one of those things where it's scripted, where you know Cosmo gets on top of the horse and Rob leads him, and Cosmo, um, Anthony Welsh plays plays Rob and he's, you know, leading leading the pony around. And I'm just, like, we're just, it's just, you know, that bit is all improvised of what's, you know, what's going on. But it was so beautiful because she so warms and changes to him. Mm. And it's then you kind of see of the past of what they did have a little yeah. bit and the way she looks at him. Yeah. Again, that kind of broke me. I'm just so soft. I think, think soft It's just gorgeous. <laughs> and Thank you. I loved it, but I'm not going to talk about it anymore because no. I think we've done loads. That's it, anyway. We'll probably have to cut loads out. <laughs> no, we won't. I don't think we did, so. We didn't Do say you? nothing. We didn't, did we? We didn't even say what it was about. I was, I was really... Yeah, people, people can put two and two together, <laughs> can't they, from that? But, so, that was shot on location in... Lockery, so down the west of Ireland. Right. Uh, south of Ireland. Um, and then, yeah, so you... It was in a place called Lockery, so... It was a great little town. It was kind of, I don't know what kind of town you couldn't describe it in the UK, but, you know, population, not a hell of a lot. We were all staying in this, like, spa hotel, cast and crew. We had all the trucks in the car park. Was there a spa hotel there? Yeah. That, that's where we were all staying in. Um, it, and let's then, be honest, it's not a great advertisement for that <laughs> place. I mean, it, it, looks, a it looks huge, bleak. a huge amount of weddings happen there. No way. It's crazy amount. I don't know if they get like a really good deal or what the crack is. But yeah, it was packed out every night because you'd have like these um, show bands come in. So we'd come in from like a day of filming and then all you'd hear is, you know, someone, a Tom Jones impersonator downstairs and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> what is life? Um, but I also, think we need to look into how many of these marriages absolutely survive. Yeah, from, from, from those. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and then we were, but then, you know, you go further down where a lot of like the exterior, all the kind of the driving shots and where the the Devers kind of farm is, that's along, um, kind of, not Lanan, but it's into Connemara. You're going into West, West Ireland where right. there is not a whole lot. I think there, there, it's it, it's a setting where an incredible Western could take place. Yeah. You could like that, if I'm directing later on in life, I want to set a western in Ireland because I think there's just the landscape there it's is just, just so barren yeah yeah. well there's that going back to it again but there's such a realistic driving scene yeah that kind of scared me because I went oh my god you're going too fast please slow down and always when you see yeah. driving scenes on screen and they're playing that they're going well fast. Nick Nick Rowland used to be a professional rally driver really yeah so he did a short film with Richard Madden I think he did it after his student film um, his student film was called Slap with Joe Cole and I was like this isn't is this a guy's student film it's incredible but the oh god the, his short film Richard Mann his, the name has, has slipped me but yeah um, Nick 
was going to be a professional rally driver and he'd, he'd done a few... He was, like, racing professionally since the age of, like, 15. My God, that is so interesting yeah. that I picked up on that because it yeah. kind of shocked oh, me a proper, little bit yeah. it's really proper, isn't it? Yeah. And you're talking about those big, long, open roads. It's almost like you're in fucking the Isle of Skye or something. It's just there. Yeah. Just going straight And it's a little shitbox of a car. It's, oh, it's, it's called the shitbox. It's this red... <laughs> One wrong move and, like... Gone, yeah. Crumbled. But the, that, was, that would be really popular kind of down... Especially in kind of rural Ireland, you have, have a lot of, like, rally... Rally driving around those those little roads, you know, they block them off, and then you just have rally. Well, the, rally road, the roads seem perfect for yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. But to see it on the screen, like yeah. my kind of heart was in my throat. Yeah, because that's the kind of stuff I never, I never see any of that being filmed. So it's only when you're in the screen room, you're like, oh my god, when oh, did god, they so do that? You thought that too, because it's quite. It's oh, it's quite intense. Because really I'm looking intense. at it, it's like a Cosmo driving. Obviously, it's going to be a, a stunt driver. Um, but yeah, they had. It was yeah, it's great. Because you know, like, that's the thing. If something, like, for Nick, that's a very important part of his life. So it's something he wants to get. If he's going to shoot, like, a car chase scene, he's going to get it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's another thing he got right. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Let's talk about you. Me. As soon as we're talking about Ireland. So, look, yeah. everybody at home, sort of draw a map of Ireland <laughs> on your kitchen table where you are. So... If I'm looking at, I'm pointing at Belfast there, yeah, Eve, yeah, and then I'm going Dublin there, further down, yeah, where, along the coast. Where, where, where are you? So you go basically inland, inland. In, everybody follow at home, inland, inland to the left, to the left. Uh, you're looking about sixty to seventy miles in, and that's Mullingar, Westmeath. Yeah, I've heard about it, and I kind of shouldn't know because I've filmed in Ireland quite a lot, but mainly sort of in either. In Belfast, or yeah. in Dublin, and so I'm not, not, really, not, really, not really yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. No, you wouldn't film a whole lot. Of this. Tell me about Mullingar. Mullingar, it's a great little town. Um, it's where the family is. M- majority of them, my mum and dad are still there. Because um, there's what, five of you? Siblings. Five kids, yeah. yeah. My sister's there with her partner, and my other sister, and my brother, and then another brother in Dublin, and I'm here. But yeah, it's like, it's a. It's a quiet, like, it's a quiet little town, but it's it's a commuter town. So a lot of, you know, began to get get a lot bigger over the last couple of years because everyone, you know, it's like London. You know, there's, you can't, people are only starting to build up in London and they can't build out, there's nowhere to go. So you have, like, all these little surrounding towns that are now being built up and there's, you know, a bit more care and planning going into the more schools. But, like, when I was growing up, you know, you had, like, four, four primary schools and for secondary schools. Yeah. And if you, you know, you went to the Catholic all-girls primary school, you went on to the to the secondary all-girl. And where did you go? So. <laughs> now we get to the nitty-gritty. Now we get to the nitty-gritty. <laughs> so my, my mum's a Protestant, my dad's a Catholic, and so we were, we were raised non-denominational. Right. So we went to a non-denominational primary school, which was, I loved it. There was like 10 people in my class. Five girls, five five boys. Ten. Yeah. God, you have to pay for that type of small classes <laughs> yeah. nowadays. That's amazing. Yeah, I I love primary school, and you know we all went there. My brothers and sisters were all there, and you didn't have to wear a uniform, which was great. Yeah, that was lovely. A pain in the hole, I'd say, for my mom because you know it's constant washing. It's a amount of washing she had to do, and then and then went on to go to the all girls Catholic school, which was strange because like we didn't learn about religion. Like we sang Coldplay songs in in church, you know, just like just as a music, you know, 
it wasn't it wasn't religious driven. So um, when you went when I went into the Catholic all girls school, you like each class was starting with you know, the Hail Mary. I'm kind of standing up, going, I don't know what the heck. And you, like, you get in trouble. You're like, why aren't you saying it? And you're like, because I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I'm, this is all new to me. I need yeah. to be educated about this. So, yeah. what was the 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 turning point to to decide to go to a all girls Catholic? It was Have very you? handy for my mom because she worked in a hospital that was en route, but she went there. Ah, right. Okay. Weirdly, even though, yeah, I don't know. It was a really good school. It was a really good school. Like the 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 teachers in it are great. It's a you know it's a it's a public school. Um, it's in the town and. My auntie was a teacher there. And oh, was she? Yeah, so she was a PE teacher there. Uh, I was, and was our year ahead as well. <laughs> we couldn't get away with nothing. <laughs> and did you yeah. feel that religious, religion was slightly forced on you there, having not had No, it so actually the opposite, because, um, you know, the, when I was there, the, there was about three nuns still practising in, in, in the school, still teaching. Were they strict nuns? No, they were actually very chill. They were lovely. Yeah, they were really nice. Sister, Sister Filomena, she was grey crack. And I actually joined the Pioneers. I was working in a pub, which didn't make any sense. I was 16 and I was definitely drinking. Um, And I joined the Pioneers uh, group because she she ran it and she was grey crack. And she used to put on guest upon plays. And it was like the only time that I could... We didn't have like a music or drama department in in the school and yeah. you, you had to join the, the pioneers. For those listening who don't know, will you oh. just explain what the pioneers are? So the pioneers are? is if you, <laughs> is they like, they basically they've got a few rules, which are, you're not, you know, you kind of, it's, it's very religious run and you don't drink and you don't smoke and you, you don't swear and you, you certainly don't get caught doing those. You things. don't get caught doing any of those things. Um, so, but yeah, like it was, like it was gas. You'd be getting called out over, over the uh, intercom and be like, can leave Algar, please come down to the office for a pioneer meeting today. And you mates to be like, oh, stay <laughs> And you're like, well, the joke was on you because I'm getting out of a maths class later to, you know, practice for my play. So, um, but yeah, but then, cause, cause I, because I didn't study religion, I'd we'd a read. I'd a, my religion teacher then was like, "Do you want to go to the prayer room?" So there was this other random room that I didn't even. I don't think anyone in the school even knew existed. It was like this lovely like chill out zone, and they had like a like a TV with a, like DVDs, and there was all. So I just put on DVDs and no started way. watching them. So there was films like My Left Foot was one of them. There was a lot of films that like the older. So I think it was about you know twelve. Yeah, and so the older kids were all learning them as part of. English studies so I was there watching away and I think that was kind of like my I turned that into like nearly like a class for myself so I'd watch it like watch the first 20 minutes and then the next day when everyone else is in learning about I don't know what um yeah I just sit sit in there and just chill out in the prayer room then over the space of a week you've watched maybe I've watched the whole one yeah there's weird ones like song for a raggy boy that you kind of go why is this in this school (laughs) we'd watch yeah but yeah that was that was, um, yeah, it was very chill. Like, I used to do as many kind of, I hate, like, I was not academic at all. I was about to go into that. Now. I was not academic at all. I hated it. I hated doing homework. My mom, God love her, Jesus, she used to, like, when I was, like, in primary school, she'd sit me down and try and do maths with me, maths homework, or, and my attention span was... Oh, man, I'm trying to do maths with my little boy at the moment, and it's... Very, very difficult. And the amount it's of tough. times I go, are you like this in class? And he goes, no. I said, well, well, 
And I sound like, like my dad, well, why are you behaving like that now then? Don't, let's just try and get down to it. But it's really hard. Yeah. I, I understand because like, I, I hated maths. Yeah, I think homework. We lived about five miles out of, out of town and the school was in town. So I used to try and get as much of my homework done, like on the drive mm. home and then on the drive back in the next day. So there was stuff that I definitely didn't do. But yeah, and I was, my mum used to put me into like maths, grinds classes and... But I was just, in class, I would daydream. I'd start making up stories in my head or start writing stories and get caught and be like, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's not maths, is it's it? It's not yeah. maths. I'm just writing about this character I thought of. would be really cool about this girl who runs away from the school. <laughs> because of a maths class. <laughs> because of a maths class. But yeah, but um, like sport was like a really big thing in our school and I loved it. And oh, I did you? Yeah, big into sport. Big into like hockey and basketball and horse riding. My auntie had like a like a farm and had stables and stuff for ponies. So, like, my dad had his own company and he worked at home and he, you know, he worked from 6am. <coughs> Bless you. I'm so <laughs> You all right? You got no, cold? No, I haven't. I stayed at a friend of mine's last night and he was away in Dublin and I couldn't work out how to put the heating on and I went to bed. Oh, I got... And then at two o'clock I went, jeez, I'm fucking yeah. freezing here. And then I would just... You woke really up now. And then I woke up a bit sniffly, but I'm all right. Would you pass that now? It's all right. You'd be all right. We'll get there. So what I was saying now? What was it talking <laughs> We were talking about sports. We were talking oh, about yeah. uh, stables. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Where am I going with this? But, yeah, basically, yeah. But, you know, my mum and dad, they were working all the time. So we would either straight after school get a bus and get dropped off at my auntie's, um, auntie's farm and just... Hang out there until, you know, she finished work. And you touched... Did your mum work at the hospital? Yeah, you? she was a nurse. Was she? Yeah. Is she still nursing? No. she's She retired about two years ago. Yeah, she's re, really good, really great nurse. And um, she was a midwife before she started out. Was she? Yeah. I think she really loved it. I think it became... You know, there's a lot of... Not politics, but... Um, the procedures and everything had changed with... Midwifery, I think, over the... Yeah. And I think when she had, like, five kids, I think she just needed, like... She wanted to just do general practice nursing. Be easier. Oh, we were a handful. I was going to say she's got enough on a plate yeah, with five yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. So... Well, what did your dad do? Uh, he... Automotive assessor. So, if anyone doesn't know that, it's like, if you have an accident with your car... Yeah. You'd get, like, an automotive assessor to come out and figure out what the damages are and how it was caused. But he would specialise a lot in, like, car accidents... And work with in the courts, especially if it was quite a, quite a serious accident. So, um, yeah, he's incredible at it. But yeah, just hearing the stories. So, my mum taught me how to drive. Did she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just because he's one of those people in the front seat, he's like, "Whoa, standing out." Do you see that car coming to the left? And you're like, "I yeah, I can see." You know, my mum would be like, she'd take me on drives, and then she'd fall asleep. Beside me, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I don't know where I'm going. And then she'd wake literally up, fend for yourself. Yeah, literally, she was just like, You'll be fine, you're grand. Just don't go into that lane, you'll be fine. But yeah, don't she, go into that car. Don't just go in that car, it'll be all good. But yeah, she, that's where she get a little nap soon because she's wrecked. I'll <laughs> 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 go on and I'll drive. But yeah, we had to learn to drive because, like, we live so because of where you were. Yeah, we yeah. like, yeah, we had a lake one side of us and a forest, and your neighbor is two miles down the road, like the next person. God, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, no, it's not, make it sound like it's it's awful, but it was like growing up, it was incredible. Like you just you got lost in your own imagination. You used to go into the woods, and you know you could. It's not like 
you walk outside and your dad would be like, oh, mine, don't get hit by a car because it was none of that. If anything, it was just like, please, God, don't get lost because we're going to have to send out a search party. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it, when people grow up in certain places, like if you grow up in the countryside, you want to move to the city. Yeah. If you, I grew up by the seaside and then I moved to the city and now all I kind of crave is it's the countryside. To, yeah. No, no, I don't. Go, you don't? I don't want to go back to the... And I have a real... I might have said this before, because things like this come up. I have quite an aversion to seaside towns nowadays. Oh, really? Yeah, I think because there's there's peak season in a seaside town and it's not as busy as it was, certainly not in Blackpool. But when I was growing up, it was a lot of hustle and bustle. And then it would just literally be dead. Dead, And yeah. everything would be no yeah. vacancies and it would be kind of bleak and kind of grim. And yeah. then you would see like a dark underbelly of a seaside town. Yeah. And I remember when I was filming in Brighton and... I think Eastbourne as well a few years ago. And that's all I could see. So all the sparkle and everything's there in front of you going, oh, look, this is fun, this is beautiful, yeah. look at all the amusements and donkeys. And But all I could see is, like, darkness. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of grim. No, that's it. That, because where, where I grew up, it, it was on a lake, so it was a lake that everyone would, in the summertime, when the sun is splitting the stones, everyone would drive, you know, set up camp for the day with their families mm. and have picnics. So in the summertime, it was grey crack and all your mates would come down. But, like, autumn... Spring, winter, it was bleak. Yeah. And then, you know, it's too mucky outside, you could run around, so you're inside. And that's when you're like, oh, just now, now I wish I lived in town. And I think that's why I live in London. I love the city. When I did lo- you move to London? Three and a half years ago. And you yeah. love it still? Yeah. Yeah, I do, because I was away, was away in South Africa for eight months, and I just would, like, <laughs> FaceTime my mates. I'm just like, can you just, like, FaceTime me walking around town? I just miss, I miss the hustle and bustle. I love, I love running around the place, even though we're not in a rush anywhere. Yeah. Oh, everybody's in a rush, everybody's aren't they? Everybody's in a rush. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love, I love a good queue. I love, I love lining up for stuff. Well, you, well you've got loads here. You'll you be love, grand You just queues. go into the market. I'm like, why am I queuing for this? I don't <laughs> because even... everybody else is. Yeah. Where were you in South Africa? Cape Town. How do you find Cape Town? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. We've got a lot of South African listeners on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a city that a lot of people go to on holiday to, and I don't think if you're there a long time, then you begin to see the massive cracks in it. You know, the the, the divide between rich and poor is yeah, it's there. It's there. It's, is, is there still a? Um, I haven't been there for years, but I found a real sense of danger. Yes, yeah, well, like it. we the, <laughs> certainly after a certain time of day. Yeah, like we had drivers on the job that we were on, so you know you get get picked up from your apartment and you're driven to set, and then you know if you finish around four in the day and you're like, oh, I don't want to go back to my apartment. We're going through ten. Can you just like drop me off and I'll, I'll walk home? They're like, no, you won't. Yeah. You're like, but it's, it's literally like a mile. It's like not even. Like, yeah. no, you won't. No, no, no. You can walk from there to there, but like that stretch, you're not going to go down. You'll get robbed. <laughs> like a couple of the lads got robbed when we were there, but there was worse than robberies, you know, there was... Oh, yeah. yeah. I know a friend of mine was shooting something years ago. Someone got kidnapped. Yeah, um, there was a production that was out there and they were, they went into kind of like a neighbourhood into one of the townships and they had they were doing like a location scout and the, uh, the director 
had was you know in the front seat of this jeep and someone just armed did a whole arm robbery on it and grabbed her bag and she's kind of running after him going she's like you can take the bag you can take the phone just give me back the scripts because that's wrong oh <laughs> yeah they didn't give Get it your priorities so, yeah. yeah but she was like because that's what we're, that's our shooting schedule that's what the, yeah. they've got all the notes in them be like then you you don't need that just give me the scripts yeah. oh, and just kind of went went running after them thinking they were going to just like chuck it in you know chuck it in a bin somewhere yeah. which the world is probably will eventually yeah. I know somebody else was shooting out there and a friend of his friend who was in the cast, his girlfriend was over and they were in the apartment and all of a sudden they got woken up and they were being burgled. Yeah. And it's... Next week on Crazy News <laughs> Travel Show, we'll be giving you the guide to Gothenburg. <laughs> we're not, I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm, re, I'm not sort of slagging Cape Town off his job. I'm just talking about the experiences of... Oh, yeah, no, but like the, look, like the look, like the country is like... Cape Town City is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like, people are lovely. The food is incredible. The wine. You, you can't get bored at the weekend there. It's just, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not as if you can come home on the weekends. That's no. the thing, because it's a 12-hour trip. So, you know, when we were out there, we were out there for, for a long stint. And my my sister had, had twins, you know, they were very young and you're, you feel like you should be at home, you know, helping out. And when you can't do that, it's really hard. And you feel like you're so removed. And especially when you, when you, all you want to do is FaceTime and no one's picking up and you're like, ah, and you get yeah. really anxious because you're like, or, you know, if you get phone calls in the middle of the night and you're so far away, anxiety just hits you because you're like, why are you ringing me? What's wrong? Yeah. Like, what, what? And he's like, no, nothing. We just thought, we just, just, just are you like, yeah. okay, just don't do that because I can't, I'm not just an hour away. I'm not in London. I'm not an hour away. I'm 12 hours away. You know, it's it's you feel very like helpless in some sense. Do you get lonely when you're away for long periods yeah. of time? Yeah, I do. How do you cope? Because we all have little rituals that help us. I think I I'm very honest and open. You know, if I'll you know ring one of my mates and I'll just go go look, and they can tell straight off. You know, if if your mates are if your mates are your mates, they'll, they'll know the minute you're on the phones and what, why you're calling them and, and all you want to all you want to all you want to hear is familiarity and yeah just to hear the everyday and just to let your just let you vent and just talk shy you don't like what what I find is when you're on a job that's so far away you can't get away from the job because you're you're surrounded by the people you're working with then you're just talking about filming that day or what you're going to do tomorrow or and then eventually I think what people start to do is just only talk about the negative and you can't get away from that and it could be like the best bloody job that you're on this is the thing um, it's so easy though when you, you're away or you're on a long job and someone does sort of spill into the negative mm, that becomes all consuming it's like you have to sort of take stock and go oh, wait a minute can we just stop and look around here yeah because yeah. even though I'm, I'm feeling anxious or I'm lonely yeah I'm going to grab onto the negative because yeah I'm with you but it's not <laughs> amazingly yeah. healthy at all no I think you just have to like and and as you like what he's asked about like how do you cope with it I think it's just kind of reminding yourself that you got into this you got into this industry and you can also get yourself out of it so you're not stuck it's just you also have to count your blessings the fact that you are in a different country working A is just a huge positive yeah and you're earning money that then okay right maybe use that money that you can fly your it's over 
and then they'll have a holiday out of it and you just have to look at the positives in that way and go, you know, there's going to be times where you're not working and you'll be boring the whole off your mates. So you'll be like, geez, do you not have a job? Yeah. <laughs> you don't get a bloody job somewhere. It's yeah, that's too. it. You yeah. do have everybody's nuts in it. Yeah, you're driving us crazy. And also you're seeing a part of the world that you might not have that's seen it. had it not no. been for that job. Yeah. I remember thinking that when... I was tr- I was in India for the first time and I was trying to acclimatise and I never, ever thought that India would have been a destination that would have gone to for loads yeah. of reasons. One of the big ones being like what you were saying about the rich and the poor divide. I don't know whether mm. like emotionally I could have handled it. And I didn't for a bit because especially in somewhere like Mumbai, it's side by side. One side of the street is that, one side of the street is another and that's really hard yeah. to take in. Yeah. Because you can see it, and they're looking. How are they not? Like it's just yeah. right in front of each other. We well, can't not. It's no. really there, and it forces you to kind of take stock of what you, mm. sort of you've got in your life. But after a bit, you go, and then you just kind of fall in love with a country like that and yeah. the people. Yeah, and I wouldn't. You know, I think myself really look. I would never have gone there if I hadn't no. been for it. My parents me. were meant to have gone to South. We were thinking it's the year before my parents were meant to have gone to South Africa. Oh, were they? And they had to cancel the trip. Yeah. So whenever I got the job. That was something that I was able to do was fly them out. Oh, you did get them yeah, over? got oh, them over. They were there for two weeks and I sent them on like this, like, you know, safari. Not a hunting one, the other one where you, yeah. you, you look at the animals. Let's make that clear <laughs> right now. The so owl like, are not trophy hunters. <laughs> it's all these images That'll coming be the headline. Owl <laughs> not trophy hunters. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was, I think it was one of those ones where... Um, because they were on holidays, but they'd never seen me where I like no one in my family is in the art is in this industry. So whenever it must be so weird whenever they're asking me like what I'm up to and I tell them and they just if they can't visualize it, if they've never been on a set, yeah. I just always wonder like what someone else is thinking, like what they're imagining. Like <laughs> so but on that it was um this was the it was Ridley Scott was directing it, but they, they were able to come down to set. And production were so lovely and they looked after them when they had like an AD with them wandering around. Thank God, because literally they, I was in getting hair and makeup and I kind of thought, oh, this is gonna, my mum's going to love this because, you know, she'll see me getting ready. <laughs> and then I was, on the, I was on the hair and makeup truck and I just hear over the radio just someone going, so Neil Alga's um, parents are down on set. <laughs> Just literally wandering around, like, and it was a. We were in it. We were on this. They were shooting like with a massive exterior, and I was panicking because I'm like, okay, what? People are going to know it's my parents. A, they already know it's my parents. They're they've got very strong Mullingar accents, and you know, everyone had been flagged in advance to say parents are going to be down on set this day. Um, I bet they were on the call sheet, weren't they? Yeah, they they were on the call sheet. Um, And yeah, they're just they're having a wander, and they're just they're just chatting. And my dad is very. He's just a chatty guy. He'll literally walk up and go, "What? What? Is, so where does this all like? Where do those quake cables go?" And God, and that really does it really cost me? That's mad. <laughs> they, and like, he'd be he'd be asking like he'd be asking. We went to this dinner and like, and he was talking to the to the one of the producers about like, oh, would, would you make it back? Do you know, is it going to make it's going to make any money? Just let me watch it, and you're like, God, sorry. Would you be losing loads of money? Would you, would you lose a lot of money on this now? And, but he's just, he's just very straight and he's just asking the questions. That... So the thing is, they ne- probably never get asked those questions. No. So they probably really loved it. Yeah, they, and, there was, and everyone knows how, what it's like to have a parent 
around and every, however, how that child is feeling really stressed because they are going to ask those questions. Yeah. But I, and you know, we, like it was also lovely because they were seeing me in a position that they never would have thought in about 10 years ago yeah. when I was telling them like, mom, dad, I want to do acting and they're going. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> sure and like, and I'm not saying that they weren't supportive, they're just... There's no one in the town and done it. No. They've no they've no template to go, yeah, that's a viable option. And you know, I was the youngest, so they're kind of thinking, Christ, all we need to do is get this one through college and into a job where she's making money that she can feed herself in case something happens to us tomorrow that she can do that. And that's all they care about. So when I when it's always interesting when people say they weren't supportive, I'm like, I'm glad they weren't because they were thinking logically. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if I had kids now, I'd be like, not just you doing this. This is a mad industry. But yeah, when, you know, when they're, sit, you know, standing on a balcony of a place that the production are putting you in and your dad's getting a bit teary-eyed because it's going, you know, like his, I think he said something like, I wish my dad was around to see you at this, you know, because oh. like his dad died when he was very young so you know and he's not my dad's not an emotional guy and it was just he was no. you could just see the pride in him I'm just yeah, like that's really, that's, you're not lying <laughs> that's yeah. his way of going do you know how proud I am yeah it's that's mad. really beautiful yeah and I, I, I was I was like Jay-Z I really like spent money on that safari because they ain't bloody cheap I tell you that much no, to shoot not. an elephant I'm joking <laughs> joking, joking, joking. I tell you getting those no, tough no, no, no. Getting, the, getting the, uh, <laughs> the suitcase to fit one of those in without cutting it up no they, please don't they were not, no, no, they went you to, know that was no, a joke no that was a joke they went in an elephant sanctuary that was run um, really really incredible you know, it was it was like a top drawer safari that they went on where well you the, know it's a once in a lifetime thing they're not yeah. going to do it and you go, well, I might not be in this position to be able to do this again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Go and do it. Let's have it now. Let's go and do it now. And, and, um, yeah, when I'm sleeping on the couch in about five years' time, (laughs) I'm like, do you remember when I sent you on that safari? (laughs) I kind of needed that money. Can I get 10 euros to go out, please? (laughs) Can I have some money, please? Let's go back. Let's jump back now. I want to go back to the all-girls Catholic school. Okay. So we know that academics weren't on the cards no sport was so what what was the uh, end goal for sort of leaving school what, I was going to become we... a professional I know <laughs> my plan was to literally finish school just to, I wanted goal. to I wanted to, to I just wanted to I needed to pass exams I didn't want to repeat um, I did as many subjects that you could you know pass on so I, like that so I did like art, music, yeah. which I was really good at. What well, uh, and music? Yeah, well, and we, funny enough, you couldn't do both of them together because they really? were scheduled at weird times. So I had to do art outside of school, and then do music in school. And so I ended up doing more one extra subject. It was a right pain in the ass. Yeah, because you had to do at least you had to do at least seven subjects, and I ended up doing eight. Right, I was mad. Yeah, pain in the ass. Um, when you said you were good at art, like what was your specialist skill? Was it? Drawing like drawing, painting, painting yeah. Because oh, really? my mum paints. Oh, oh yeah. so it gets passed down from your mum. Yeah, my mum, my mum paints, and she used to. She was, yeah, she was used to do these really cool things when we were kids, where she used to. She was great cook, and she used to get different kind of up and coming artists to come to the house and hold a class for all her mates. Wow. And then she'd kind of advertise it, and mum would do the cooking, and you know she'd turn the kitchen living area into a studio. So she'd bring, you know, you know, 
uh, rent easels and chairs and stools and get tables and stuff and lay it all out like a like a real and like because the location you know they have to they must be garden and stuff so during the summer as well they'd have people outside painting and she used to do that kind of like a couple of times a year so you it was just really lovely and then you sometimes like you know was kids because we're all running around she'd go here look here's a piece of paper here's some paint draw something out there for an hour yeah. and then I'll drop you into town to your mate's house but That's so interesting because you said before because like nobody in my family kind of does anything like this mm. but there is artistry there like, yeah it stems down from oh, your mum yeah 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 and because we were talking about ASM art. What's that? What's that weird one where you talk really closely? Oh, in? A- ASMR. ASMR. Yeah. Is that right, Griff? Is that what it's called? Auto sensory meridian response. That's the one. So what's it called again? Auto. Auto. Sensory. Sensory. Meridian. Meridian. Response. Response. I think. I think we'll do <laughs> one <laughs> podcast episode like this. It's all just <laughs> ASMR, but I'll end up like speaking like this. I don't think it. I don't survive. I don't no. think it's a viable option. No. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. People are going are switching off. But there was... They've already gone. It's fine. Gone. They went, they went after the trophy hunters gag, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Again, I don't want to shed no. light on that. We know that was a joke. It was we're a joke. We've moved on, haven't we, now? Yes. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so uh, uh, my mum, like I was an active kid, but she noticed when I was very small that if she was painted in the kitchen, I'd nod off. I think it's because I was watching her and it was really therapeutic. And so she used to... That was great. But, but yeah, but I don't know where they came... Because there was this programme when I was a kid that was on called Irish Paint Magic. That was it. And now, that's another thing. If I'm feeling anxious, I slap on an old YouTube video of the old the old programme of Irish Paint Magic and put it on and it just chills me right Still out. Still work. Yeah. There you go. Or Art Attack. I don't know what it is. Those, or, you know those videos of... These art, art attack was quite frenzy. I know, it chilled me Old right Neil out. Old Neil Buchanan was like, <laughs> he had like 10 cans of Red Bull. He was all over the shop with his big hair. <laughs> me, set me straight to sleep. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think, and so for, that was, what I think when you're growing up and when you can concentrate when you're trying to read, like read books or do maths or learn about history and your brain is going to like, it's pinging off of other things and... Um, like what yours was in math class. Yeah, couldn't but put me into an art class and I could focus completely on what I was doing. And maybe it's just that part of my brain that just can can literally just tune in. Yeah. But it's weird now because like I've figured out ways to, if you know, if you're sent a script and you need to sit down and read it, I do a weird thing. If I'm in a hotel, I get into the bathtub and I read it out loud and I think it's a noise. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Maybe it's something to do with the surroundings yeah. of... The acoustics of being in the bathroom. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I get into an empty bathtub and I'll just start reading it. Oh, so you, oh, right. You don't actually. Like, no, no, don't get into. Oh, you no, just don't, get into. An just empty get into a bathtub. It's so weird. We'll learn lines that way. Yeah. There you go. There's a nice tip for everybody learning. Yeah, lines. but I'll have music on, and I'll have I'll have another distraction that's going on. Oh God! So you? Yeah, you I have, have to like music on. Yeah. and learn at the same time. Yeah. I'd say if I was tested now, I'm definitely got like either AD, ADHD or I'm dyslexic, because. I don't know, I, I've, but I've figured out ways of of learning that, you know, I can learn massive chunks that, you know, I suppose if you're being tested for dyslexia, you might not be able to do, but yeah. Or maybe it's because I listen. I, you know, you use that, do you ever use line learner? Yeah, I used to yeah. do line learner, yeah. And listen to it that way. I need to know what the other person is saying. Do you know people can, they can do a line, but they don't need to, do you ever read with someone and they're not actually listening to what you're, 
saying. Oh, but loads. they just know where they come I've in. I work with loads of those actors that didn't know. They're <laughs> <laughs> not just not on the phone. You know what you're saying? Do you know that, um, speaking of lines, when Dolly Parton filmed Nine to Five, mm-hmm. which is like her first film, she arrived either, I don't think it was on set for the first day, it might have been in rehearsals, and they were doing a scene and they saw that Dolly Parton was kind of mouthing uh, Lily Tomlin's lines. And they said, oh, Dolly, you don't have to... It's like, wait for your line. Anyway, it turns out that Dolly Parton had learned everybody's lines. She'd learned the whole script. Really? And that yeah. was how she... That yeah. She didn't know any better. Well, she didn't know any... She, she had no frame of reference for wow. it. Wow. So she'd just learn everything. Kids do that. Do you, know, do you ever work with child actors? Uh, I have, yeah. But they all know your lines. Oh, yeah. Probably better than yeah. we know ours, yeah. So say you drop that bit and you're like, you know, I did not. <laughs> I think you should say that there. Yeah, all right. All right, calm down. I'm Get in your box. <laughs> Get in your box. Back, back down there now. Yeah. Because um, they, they need to know they need to know everything that's going on. They just don't... In a way, I kind of know where they're coming from because yeah. they need to know the whole world and what's yeah. going on. Like, why am I saying that? I do... Do you know what? I was... Um, when, I got, when I got that, the Reedy Scott gig... Um, you know, you've signed an NDA and you don't talk about it. And I yeah. actually didn't talk about it to any of my mates. That I think it's because they were like, you know, everyone has got their own stuff on. They don't want to hear about you going, well, it's about this. About two androids tasked. But he's five. I think this is the best way to actually figure out how to ask yourself questions in the script. I tell a child what the story is about and they'll go, but why is he the bad guy? Yeah. And they'll ask the questions that you've never thought of. Yeah. And that's what I did with him. I was like, Ethan, I'm going to tell you the full story. So <laughs> Ethan knows the full story of... Of uh, <laughs> the sci-fi drama I did, that's but a he, bri- that's brilliant. But he asked me things that I'd never, never would have thought of. Just really simple stuff because he's not going like, "What's your relationship to him?" He's like, "Well, how do you fly? Like, how does it fly? And how did you learn that?" Sometimes taking it, stripping it all back to simplicity and asking the really yeah. simple questions. You, oh, maybe I'm over intellectualizing it, or I'm th- I'm thinking too You're much about it. You're thinking too much about something. Yeah. Yeah. It's another, we yeah. just need to write a little book, Emma's going to come out and Neve Algers. Yeah. <laughs> Next week on Neve Algers Acting Tips. <laughs> book of Acting. <laughs> so the goal was to not reset the exams. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the first goal. And and I did, did, did we get through that goal? Oh yeah, first we did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> I was the last to go into school. You had to go into school to get your results. And I think... My mum was on the edge of her seat. She was just like sweating buckets. Jeez, I bet that was a long five-mile drive. That was a long five-mile drive. But you know what was even worse? What? So I went in, picked them up, picked up the envelope. And what usually kids did was they'd open them up and read them then there. I drove her nuts and I didn't look at them. And I said, can you drop me off? Just kind of like down the road from the house. Because it was this thing where I was used to like, this is so sad. There was like this harbour and there was this wall. And I was used to sit there and think about like, where I'd love to go, where I'd love to travel to when I was like, you know, a kid. And because I think it's when you grow up in the middle of nowhere, you just, you're trying to think of not being there or just because anything it's can happen. A constant escape. It's constant escapism. Yeah. And I said, like, can you drop me off the harbour? And I went down and sat down on, on the wall of the harbour and I opened them there and I had a little car because I was like, yes, the past. I actually did quite well. I surprised myself. <laughs> Even in maths? Yeah. Fuck, brilliant. I know. I know. Yeah. So then what? And then um, had it put up. I, yeah, so I'd wanted to do drama and that was just, it wasn't really, no one was really taking me seriously on that. And I think we had, 
He's like a, what do you call it? Like a guidance counselor teacher in school. Oh, God, yeah. Those, uh, they, like depart, a they depart such wisdom, <laughs> don't they? Well, I remember like I went into her and I was like, look, this is what I want to do. I want to do acting. Okay. And you're like, and they, and they go through the whole list and they're like, are you good at English? And you're like, I'm all right, yeah. Um, can you dance? You know, because this is going to be, you have to be able to dance really well. You need to be like, a, you know, really good at singing get an A1 in music, all these things that you're like, oh, jeez, I've never danced. Like, in my head, I danced quite well. And, like, it wasn't like I was, it came out of nowhere. Like, I was part of, like, a youth theatre group in Mullingar and every weekend I'd travel to Dublin and be part of, like, a theatre group up there. Um, but for everybody else, that was extracurricular. Yeah. That wasn't It's a, not what you viable, do in school. Yeah. Where they're going, like, you know, if you say you want to go do business and they're like, great, okay, well, you're doing business studies or if you're going to go and, you know, study medicine, you're like, right, you need biology, chemistry. I just, I'm assuming maths is a very big one for that. Um, but with acting, they're just looking at you sideways going, I don't, but do you want to teach? Do you want to teach drama? And you're like, no, I want to do it. Well, it's because they don't understand what yeah. it entails. So they're just going off a checklist that they've been passed down exactly. from somebody else. And, they're, and then so they were looking at my subjects and they're going, well, you do, you do music and you do art and you're really good at art, so why don't you go and study art? And I'm like, and then they were like, and, you know, there'll be, there'll be um, drama societies that you can do in, in college. Time. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, all right, well, that, well, so if someone is telling you that and you're like, right, I'm just going to go do that, but in my head, I'm like, deep down, I'm going to try, I'm going to go hell for leather and figure out how way I can do this. So... So you weren't deterred? No, no, because I'm not that I'm stubborn, but like if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm like, oh, I fucking can show you, like, bloody can. It's a bit like... That is quite stubborn, That's stubborn. But I yeah. think you fucking have to be. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't go into a guidance counsellor and go, look, if you could put a projector inside my head and project out what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing and what I know I can do... You know, it's very hard to convince them that it's, it's a dream inside your head. Just, they wouldn't understand it anyway, even no. if you could put the, the words together. Yeah. To actually try and describe what was going on. Yeah. Wouldn't compute to them anyway, would it? Because they'd look on the checklist and go, yeah, it's not on my checklist, I'm sorry. No. I don't really get it. They get, yeah. And it's also, they look at it in a different way. They look at it as like something that's going to make you money. They don't look at, they look at like what you're good at. And then what will make you money and what will be secure and like yeah. you can buy a house. They're not looking at, like, what do you like? What do you want to do? So what I wanted to do was was, was acting. And when I moved to Dublin, I joined as many, as I took her advice on that, and I joined as many, like, drama societies as I could. And then where enrolled. Did you, where did you, you move to Dublin because of what, going to? Oh, it's going to study design. Where at? In TIT. No, it was, like, was it Queen's or? No, no Dublin. Well, sorry, where's Queens is Belfast, isn't it? Yeah. What's what's the one in Dublin? So there's a, g- a good few of them. So you've got like DCU, D- DIT, Trinity. Trinity. That's yeah, what I was thinking of. One. Trinity. Yeah. No, I didn't get into Trinity. Love <laughs> <Rub> that in. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, my friend, Nicole, my, one of my best mates, was studying drama in um, in Trinity, and she, uh, and English. So she's writer now. But um, yeah, got on with her like. Drama Society just pretended I was in Trinity and go, oh, yes, go on. Um, yeah, that lecture today really got me. <sighs> yeah, flat out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, um, and then was, was go, you know, going to lectures and then want to, like doing plays and doing theatre and getting involved in as many kind of short films because it was the whole short film side was, or like filming, screen acting was kind of where... I was more, much more interested in, and 
Is that why you felt much more comfortable? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a repetition of on on a stage each night trying to recreate what you did the night before or make it better yeah. or at the, well at the time of the, us recording this well this this is going to go out in March but uh we're on the 20th of February now recording yeah. this and last night I recorded um an interview with an actor who had done the same role on stage for a year yeah and I I, I, I just couldn't get my head around how you would keep that fresh every yeah. time, every night. And it doesn't matter how incredible the writing is. It's like, I was going, well, if you've done it every which way, I, I, Yeah, I can, I can understand if you go into, like, the Playhouse and you're doing, like, a, you're doing eight weeks. Oh, yeah. And you're in and out and you're like, yeah. I get that. I just, Absolutely. I couldn't do it for a year. I would lose my nut. Of course. Yeah. Unless it was something that you're like, this is the thing. This is what I've always wanted to do, this part. But like, yeah. even if... It is. I still don't. I mean, I just think maybe certain people in this business are built to do that yeah. much more than others. Maybe. But I'm I'm incredibly impressed to see people who can tap into those emotions night after night. Yeah. And it's 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 the truth. It's convi- You know, if you're sitting there, you go, "Fucking hell, that's amazing!" Like I felt that, and well, they've you done do that this twice in a yeah. day. Sometimes. But you're making it. Yeah. Wow. That's that's like you know that uh, that is the craft. But, um, yeah, and then I got involved in this place called The Factory that was in Dublin, kind of very similar to Not Workshop. Is it called a Workshop up in Nottingham? The Nottingham Theatre Workshop? Yes. Yeah. So there was, um, this was like a studio where you had actors, directors, casting, a casting director, writers, all in this building where they all had their own offices. And then they eventually started bringing in actors to kind of go, well, we have this script that we're trying to, you know, trying to figure out how it goes. Maybe we'll... You saw... Who did you see in that cast in there the other day? And then they bring in those people and yeah, get get him to bring his mate in and we'll just, you know, bash out a few ideas. And then you've got, like, you know, writers sitting in and, and watching going, actually, can, we just, we'll change the scene there. Can you just give that a go? So we're very collaborative. It's like a creative hub of... God, that's, a, that's really creative, yeah, isn't it? That's amazing. Making misfits, yeah. It was... And then it, it, then it grew into something where... The actors out of it were then working a lot in TV and film. You know, you had like the Gleasons or Barry Keoghan, um, Jack Rayner was one of them, another one that came out of there. And, uh, you know, and these were, none of us had, had trained professionally. You know, we hadn't done any kind of four year drama course. So I think then eventually they started getting kind of like a program together and made it into like a year long thing. And oh, did they? Yeah, and they had put structure in and they got, like, they would get in different directors that would come in and, t- and you know, do maybe, like, ten weeks on just character development or script analysis or, um, you know, we start make so we, we would make, like, a short film and so everyone would get involved so you'd be, or, like, operating the camera or someone would be, or, or, like, operating boom. God, it really does sound like something yeah. like... Um, not the Nottingham Workshop, yeah. yeah. I think I'm, maybe it was an idea where, you know... Because Jim Sheridan was the one who kind of set it up. Right, okay. And... Where where was other funding from? Do you know? Was it was it all, any... like... It was all, like, uh, private funding. Just was these... It? Yeah, and we, you know, we weren't, we weren't paying to be there. We used to pay, like, a fiver for the electricity, you know. We, That's amazing. Yeah, it was a... And it was this really old... It used to be... It used to be a, um, a factory that used to make... Um, it was a bowling mills, so it was, like, um, flour... So we, and and 
it was like it was a massive, massive old warehouse, like exposed brick that we have here. And there was one studio that had been originally designed for the river dance because they needed a studio that would be long enough for the river dance line. For all those two two thousand five hundred people yeah. on the river dance line. So they, yeah. they needed a space that would, you know, obviously that not that big, but you had these huge, huge, big um studios. Uh, like it was freezing don't get me wrong like during the winter <laughs> people around with like a hot water bottle like shoved down their, <laughs> shoved down their trousers like I'm not joking and like down their, down their jacket um, and like you know people would get a load of equipment together so you'd loads of like little Sony cameras and we would be off just we'd all off in like some like down in the basement just shooting ideas of like going okay let's play and play around with these characters that way and then brilliant. and then was a, then they started built, they built like a screening room it was like a cinema they had set up so we'd all shoot stuff for the day and then just hook it up to the laptop and, and watch it back and go, you know, and just chat about it. Yeah. And go like, I love what you did in that scene. I, I really believed you. And we're just kind of like, not teaching ourselves, but it was it was an open discussion because no one was coming in going like, I'm better than you. I've done this. I've Very, very level playing field. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's coming in from all different walks of life. Do you know, so if you grew up in the city or if you grew up in the arse of nowhere... You weren't going like, oh, you're you're a bogger, you're a townie, you're, mm. you know, it's none of that. And is it still going today? Yeah, so now now it's now it's known as like Bow Street and it's Bow Street Academy because they had to move because they, it was NAMA took over during, took that building has now turned it into, oh, I don't know, like a car park. It was an incredible building, but it's now, it's, they demolished it and now, so, oh, so now shame. it's, so now they have a proper program in, in place and you pay you pay a fee like you pay like an annual fee but it's nothing like any of the costs of you know it's affordable you see that just shows that because you know you saying oh no I didn't do like a, a big three or four year course or whatever yeah. this is training it is yeah that it was, is training it was you know it's because we didn't learn it's not as if they had to break us down we were people who were already broken down. Yeah. We were very open and very if vulnerable. You were building me up. <laughs> <You're> building me <laughs> up. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I, you know, I got on set experience as well because I was like, my parents were like, how's that design degree coming along? And you're like, uh, yeah, funny enough, I'm, I'm out in placement on a film. And I was production buying when I was like 19, going around like buying for an art department. Right. And then, but that was amazing because I got to see how people work yeah. on set. And yeah. I was on this sketch show and, you know, like with, these sketch shows they work very fast they're on their toes they're trying to con- like constantly change the script and then it was just that for me that was an education just to see how the, how the lads work. of course work. it is because you're just getting knowledge about what mm. everybody every department are doing and every department do and you're like the gilly who's going around like making tea but also running out to shop because you have to buy dressing because change they've decided to move on to a different scene and you understand I understand now as an actor is like you might be getting picked up at seven o'clock, but you have to remember that our department have been there since five a.m. Exactly. Getting, so when you go on to set, and you know if they're looking tired, of course they're looking tired because they've already done half their day. You're just starting. They're first in and last to leave. Exactly. They yeah. don't have sit down cups of tea brought to them no. and have little breaks. Stop I know. Fucking moaning. <laughs> <laughs> not not you. Actors are dickheads. But, but you know what I mean. No, but yeah, you do, and you have to. That's it. You have to understand that you're not the most important person on set. No. Again, level playing field. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's equal because everybody's pulling hopefully in the same direction because they all want to achieve the same goal, which is try and make something mm. you know truthful and special and that's going to yeah. not necessarily change things, but at least fucking entertain someone. And the, yeah, exactly. And there's the respect. The respect goes both ways. You don't go onto a set and go, oh, 
you know, you pick up pick up a like a prop and you break it in the second take. You or if you you know if you, if the plan is you're going to chuck it across the room, you're going to talk to the art department beforehand and go. Yeah. I'm just wondering how many of these yeah. repeats have you do you have? Yeah. Have you got a double? Or can I drink this? Can I eat this? Um, and it goes both ways. If they're going like Neve, I'm just like you know if sound come in, they go. I know the way um, you're playing around with that cup in that scene. Would you mind if, if you don't do that? And you go. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I want to, and it goes both ways. But and you're not going to turn and go, no, fuck off. Yeah, but the thing I'm playing is, with this cup, and I'm going to do that. My character's playing with. Be like, well, fair play, Neve. In about three months' time, you're going to be in an ADR booth. Exactly what I was just about to say. They're kind of pulling in the same direction because yeah. they're doing it for all of you. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing worse than going back and um, redubbing a scene that had any sort of emotion because you've got to get back. What you did, and you're, li- you're ago, living. I'm never gonna do this. No, you're living with yourself because you're like, why was I playing with the cup? <laughs> you can't even see the cup in shots. <laughs> idiot, why? Yeah, I see. You know what? The more times I hear about places like this, I think it's so crucial because the stuff that you're talking about there, that isn't taught in drama school. Mm. Things like that that are so important when you're on a set or you, yeah. you're, you're in a theatre. Well, I mean, I'm talking, you know, I'm talk, we're talking more about being on a set now. Because that, you've got more knowledge, you're educated yeah. more about that. So to go off, work with the art department, and buy them when you're 19, yeah. I think that's, that stuff is invaluable. I think it should be taught much more. Yeah, I re- and I really loved it. I really loved it. And I, I got, you know, I, got, I went, I did like a ton of music videos and loads of short films and loads of like a couple of TV series and I was getting paid for it and then I was using that money then to pay for acting classes yeah. or you know short short term little courses or, so you're getting paid yeah. to learn you're getting yeah. you're, or going, they're paying you yeah. to educate yourself or you know like if you've got an audition coming up in three weeks you're going to have to learn like a specific um, South American accent and then you're going right well I need a hundred quid because I need to be able to pay dialect coach that I can do, but yeah. at least I know at the end of it, I'm going to be given an opportunity to go on tape with a casting director. It's all, it all made sense, you know. It just wasn't, yeah, I just didn't put, the, I didn't have the, I kind of had my own education that I just kind of catered for myself in the way which I was. But which kind of, you should, you yeah. know, you were, you were sort of steering your ship with what you needed. And look at the turn, look at the speedy turnaround of something like, I mean, yes, a short film, you might have like three or four days or whatever, but yeah. a music video is generally a day. It's a day, and it's it's a fast paced, yeah, twelve fourteen hour day, mm-hmm. and you haven't got time to think. You've just got to get on with it and get learn. And do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Well, you know, no wonder that you didn't need to even think about going to drama school because you've got everything there and more, <laughs> and also you're not. I mean, I take it you weren't heavily in debt after that, like some people get to. No. No, I wasn't. I got, got, cause Even though Dublin is such an expensive place. It's madness. Like, I, oh, God. Craig, I'm in places I've lived in Dublin. Like, my first year there, no, I think it was my second year, I had gone away for the summer, that summer to go to, like, America and do, like, a J... No, it wasn't J1. It was, I was teaching kids in some summer camp up up in Maine and <laughs> I'd realised this no it was the first year so I'd realised I'd gotten into the into college and I hadn't really thought much about actually trying to get accommodation and my sister Jen was like don't worry Neve, 
you enjoy the rest of your summer. I'm going to sort you out. We're going to, we're going to look at this. Don't stress. Because I was thinking about going, God, I'm going to have to fly back really, you know, ahead of schedule now and, and look for a place. And she's like, don't you worry. I got you. And I was like, Jen, you're a legend. Thank you. <laughs> got back anyway. And she goes, it's great. It's one bed. I was like, okay. You're sharing with someone else. She's in your class. I was like, it's a one bed. He's like, yeah, don't worry. It was a bed sit. But everything was like the size, the size of this room. Yeah, you had everything there. You had cooker, kitchen, uh, the bathroom. The bathroom was separate, but we shared that with everyone else in the house. Um, I was going to say, thank God the bathroom was separate. That's separate. Went, I've got to share it with everybody else <laughs> Every, in the house. Yeah. Well, um, needs must. You didn't needs must. And there was two beds in the room. It was freezing. We had black mold on the roof. Oh, um, thanks, you, Jen. You had to go downstairs, knock on the door to the guy who owned the house he lived in the house as well he had like a little his own little bedstead out the back to get 50p's off him we're in we're in the times of the euros but you to get old 50p coins for the meter for the meter and so if you if the, <laughs> if the water or the heat went in the middle of the night you'd be fucked because oh, he was not going to open that door but eventually we figured out we're like we're there going we're such idiots you're like 50p's it's not we don't only have to use his 50 piece. We can go and get our own 50 piece. So I was like going home and like raiding my house. <laughs> like, Dad, do you remember, like, remember the old 50 piece? Do we have any of them like lying around? He's like, yeah, I think so. Out in the shed. And I was like going. Shit load out there. Yeah. Them, yeah. Yeah. So I walk up, like rock up. I'm like, you know, a two, two months in with my big bag of 50 piece going, we are sorted. And the guy down the back's going, I come say, just wondering, you haven't had to come get the 50 piece off me in a while. Because we had to pay him. Oh, he was like on a meet, yeah. But yeah, I nearly killed my sister whenever so I got back. You got to right racket there. Oh, what are you for you? And that was like that was that was crazy money. That was I think for someone like that was like five hundred quid a month. Uh, but I was work. I got a job part time in, in the cinema, which I loved. Which cinema was it? It was Cineworld in Dun- in Dublin. Right, yeah, yeah. It's really big. Right one. in town. Right in town. Yeah. Brilliant cinema. Yes, yeah, great cinema. Uh, so big I was in it. it's big cinema. Big cinema, and I was I was getting great I was getting great shifts because I was like you know in college from nine to five, and then you could just the college was only a two minute walk, so you could get there in like five minutes, and then you could start your shift say at six and go till closing, and I could do that like four days a week, and I'd have my rent paid and have extra cash, and I get to see free films. The dream, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I got moved around a lot on different departments because I don't I, want to be on popcorn. I really need to be in screen eight this week. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I eventually got. No one wants to be on floor. I was the only one who wanted to be on floor. I loved it because if you if you had to go around and do all the cinema checks to make sure no one's talking, the thing is on, the sound is working. You know, you, it says you're meant to spend at least like five minutes in the screen. You pop your head in. Yeah, looks good. <laughs> a few kids up the back, but they're having a good time. I can't remember the last time I was in a cinema and someone did a cinema check. Yeah. They never fucking do cinema checks They never nowadays. do them. There's, no. There's certain places that do, like the Everyman. The Everyman. They're lovely. They come in at the start and the oh, intro. God. That's lo- I love the Everyman. It's so nice. It's so nice. You can go there, you can get a glass of wine, they bring you popcorn in the middle of it if you want, there's food. I mean, to be honest, ideally, because we're doing that, every man should really be sponsoring yeah. this podcast. Oh, you know I mean? it's, it's such a great place. Oh, the worst, I went to see a quiet place though in the Everyman and I made the massive mistake of ordering nachos. And I didn't. <laughs> of all the films, Dave. <laughs> I didn't, no one warned me. And it's I called A Quiet Place. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking... No, because I was thinking horror, and horrors are usually like really loud, and I'm quite like like visually, like not visually, but like the sound is is really heightened yeah. in them. Again, the clues in the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I didn't touch them nachos for the entire thing, but yeah, it was. 
Everyone goes to the Everyman. Yeah, I love it. The cinemas here are lovely. I think they've started to do that now in Dublin. There's a there's a there's now kind of very similar place called the Stella Cinema. It used to be it used to be open years and years ago. It was like this old with old school kind of like very like that velour seats, oh, double ones, or you can get like there's couches and stuff. And they do the same thing where you can get a drink and food in the middle of it. So those have kind of reopened now in Dublin, which is lovely because. I was I was in an interview the other day and someone said to me, he's like, mm, cinema's dying, isn't it? I don't think so. In what respect did they mean? And in the sense that no one's going to cinema now to go and... But maybe because we work in the industry that are like, that's the only time I want to see a film is in the cinema. I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think so, especially with independent film as well, because last year I had a, a Sunday morning off in London... And I went to the Curzon in Bloomsbury and I saw a film called Bait. Did you see Bait? No, I haven't seen it. Jesus fucking Christ, it's amazing. It's about the fishing town, isn't yes, it? Yes, and like set in a little Cornish village. And uh, it's it's just, I won't say anything, it's just incredible. Is it black and white? Yeah. Well, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I would say it's black and white. But what they've done with the sound is quite special because they recorded, the, they redubbed it after. Oh, I think I'm right okay. Saying. So it, it takes you a while to sort of get into it, right? Because you go, "Am I missing something here?" But it, it's incredible. But really, what my point is was that I was going to a cinema of an independent film at eleven o'clock in the morning. It was packed. It was sold out. Wow. Yeah. And the other week, I went to see Parasite again at eleven oh. o'clock in the morning because it was the only time that I had free at a big. Um, it was at the Printworks in Manchester. It was a very big screen. And it was almost sold out at 11 o'clock in the morning. Wow, yeah. That's, see, there you go. Well, maybe it's, I don't know. Or maybe I picked the different times. Maybe it's the very, right time 11 o'clock is a 11, very popular time. Maybe it is. <laughs> maybe <laughs> a lot of unemployed people just wandering in. That was just rammed. Yeah, because I saw Parasite in screen one a picture house on like a random time. In the middle, I think it was like four o'clock on a Tuesday. Was it busy? It was packed. Yeah. Full. It was, I think it was the, the day of the Oscars. So maybe everyone was going to... Was it just what, just before it won? Just before it won. Wow. Yeah. And there was also, there was a screening on, oh, I couldn't get tickets to, but there was a screening on with like a discussion after it. I love them. I love yeah. it. I love a little bit of chat about film afterwards, especially with Q&A. Did you enjoy Parasite? I loved it. Was, someone was asking me about it the other day and I went, it's the only time that I've thought, in fact, I think I was saying to Griff, in a long time that I've finished watching the film and all I've wanted to do was go back in and watch it again. Yeah. Have you seen Snowpiercer? I love Snowpiercer. I haven't seen it, but oh it didn't... Oh my God, it's brilliant. It didn't get a release. It didn't get a, why didn't it get a release? I don't know. I was listening what, was to it, it. Did someone say it was one of those ones that it got shelved by the Weinsteins? No? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. That. But it got released everywhere else, I think I'm right in saying, everywhere else in the world apart from the UK. Yeah, because it, it, is it John Hurt's last film? I don't think it's his last film, but it's certainly up there, yeah. It might, maybe it is his last film, I don't know. They should, but like, going off the success of Parasite, they should re-release it. They, they should so, re-release it. Well, there was Every man, you're listening to this because you, you know it's going to come up in the Google alerts. Well, when re-release they sponsor the podcast, then we can talk <laughs> about it, every man. But they should. They should now on the back, on the yeah. back of that. But also on the back of the quality of the film. Mm, I, I'm going to go check it out. I was um, working in Malaysia 
And I used to just get lo- I used to just get loads of dodgy DVDs from, from the Malaysian <laughs> shop, and Snowpiercer was one of those. Was it one of those ones where it's recorded in the cinema? No, 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 no. no, no. It was just they just had a real sort of black market of oh, films yeah. over in Malaysia. Oh. So I used to get like a, a pound of film. Do you get the free screeners? Are you one of those no, fancy people who get screeners? No, I'm not. A mem- I'm not a member of BAFTA. Oh. <laughs> I'm not either. I just I'm always jealous of the people who have them and. You go I know, into the I, house. I, to be honest, I'd probably never leave the flat if I yeah. had that. <laughs> You just wait for the monthly one to come back in. Yeah. Just yeah. keep watching it. Yeah. But also there's something I've still got that, when I can ever have the time, is I always think there's something so romantic about going to the cinema. Yeah, it's an event. Yeah. Yeah. And it should be because it was like that when we were kids. Yeah, there was a, there was a really lovely cinema in Mullingar. My aim is that like... If I ever got like a massive like Star Wars or something, would be to buy this play. They closed it down. It was bang in the middle of the town. It was the type of cinema that had like two screens. And at the start of the film and during, when we were talking about cinema checks, yeah, this the, the owners used to go around with a flashlight. And if you were, if you used to go, people used to go on there a lot as dates. I remember like, as like a youngster went on a few dates there and you'd be sat on the back, if you, if you were kissing, they'd flash a light in your face. And you'd like, they? They'd be like, less of that now. And it, like, it was gas. It was like, or if you were talking, but it was a massive big torch. Uh, but yeah, they, it was, um, but it had like, it was, it, there was two screens, it was bang in the middle of town. And you'd always know if you're going to get into the cinema or not because the queue, if it, there was a couple of shops before it. And you could always tell, like, if if people were queuing up to say as far as like the cafe on the corner, that's gonna that that's gonna be like you're not gonna join it there. Yeah. It's gonna be that's the capacity of that cinema or that screen. But it was uh, it had like Titanic played for an entire year. That's <laughs> they didn't. yeah. That's how popular that cinema was. Like oh, that that's film brilliant. was. It, it was on because it was you know there was a a, um, a picture box outside it, so you know put the poster in. And that, that was on us for an entire year. Yeah. We we used to have a beautiful, not that dissimilar, three-screen cinema in Blackpool. And it was really wide with big, sprawling, uh, velvet staircase sort of lovely. going up like that. And it was gorgeous and art deco and lovely big curtains that would come across the screen. It's lovely, isn't it? It is yeah. an event, but it's like, you know, you remember things like that because you go to, you know, it was your parents that brought you to the cinema and, you know, it was like, especially you wouldn't go every, it's not like now, kids kids are going every weekend. All the time. You'd have yeah. to wait until a cinema, like a film came out. And um, even then it wouldn't be a once a week thing. It would be like, oh, it's half term. It's We're half term, go, yeah. Oh, there's something coming out at Christmas. We'll go or once a couple of times in the summer holidays. Yeah. And that was the event of it. That was the event. But I, but for Titanic, you had to be 12 to go to it so because it had gone on for so long it was on for a year by the time I had turned 12 I was I was then able <laughs> to go to because they, they, they knew everyone's age like the couple that ran the cinema they knew everyone's age and if, if you were like they were a stickler for like PG 12 16 wouldn't let you in even if you were there with your parents they'd be like shame on you for bringing her into that <laughs> she'd have nightmares about boats <laughs> <laughs> what was the decision to move to London um so how I, long were you in Dublin for? I was in Dublin from, like, since I was, like, 17 to 24, 25, yeah. So then I, yeah, and then I left. Um, because I wanted to, this is terrible, I couldn't get signed by an agent in Ireland. Yeah. Right. And I, yeah, it was mad. 
That, it was how like, did that make you feel? Really shitty. Yeah. It was, it was, I don't know what it was. I had a woman said to me, she's like, you don't look Irish. So I don't really know what I can do with it. You don't look Irish. And, Thanks for that. Um, and this year, my sister did one of those, you know, ancestry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she went back and I nearly feel like I need to take that and go, we never left the <laughs> island. <laughs> I don't know how we got here, but we couldn't be more Irish if we tried. Um, I know Algar is an unusual name, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what you need to look like to look, because now I think what that was, I think that was just someone's one opinion, but like if you're very impressionable at a young age and someone says you don't look Irish, you're, like, you're staring in the, in the mirror going, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> you're looking at your parents going, I'm adopted, aren't I? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I had, but I was, I was, you know, I was doing the, I was doing this, uh, the studio, and I'd go to. It was a, an amazing festival. It's on every year. It's a good, the Galway Film Flat, and I went down and I saw this short film called Foxes, and I was like, bloody hell, that's in. It was just, he's like, you know, when you, people are looking at. Um, Films like like Parasite yeah. or you know these directors are kind of creating their own sub genre near enough and Lorcan Finnegan who directed Foxes had done something very similar to this it was a very dis, not dystopian but it was it was a a couple that are, are in this kind of like ghost estate and this guy loses his mind and he's convinced that the foxes have taken over the estate you know right. the, all these massive estates that were built yeah couples young couples would go buy up buy a gaff and then. They wouldn't have any neighbours because half the houses are unfinished. So you've just got streets with like two people living on them and just every house looks the exact same. And he's now doing a film called Vivarium that's coming out soon enough that is kind of based upon the kind of the premise of Foxes. Um, but I'd seen that and I'd wrote him a letter and I said, mate, I think you're class and just fair play. And he didn't know it was an actor either. And then he wrote a film called Without Name and he got the casting director... He was like, I've seen her in the factory. Can I, can you bring her in for a casting? She doesn't have an agent. And I went in and I auditioned and I got the role. And then that film then premiered at Toronto Film Festival. And he was like, he's like, he was rep by Independent. And he's like, there's a couple of agents in there. There's one in particular I think he would, he would get on really well with. Do you mind if I gave him your email? I was like, please do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh came off the bat of Toronto with like a suitcase full of stuff um, I'd gotten a grant from like uh, Culture Ireland to get flights to go to the festival because I was bloody broke and I had about like you know 500 quid in savings and didn't went to, went from Toronto to London and didn't leave after the film festival because I signed with him yeah I'd under look, funny enough the minute I had one meeting with, with them all the other agents were like, well, yeah, absolutely, we'd love to see you. It's always the way. It's always the way. And um, and the film had gone down really well and uh, had uh, obviously kind of, uh, there was a lot of attention around, and a lot of attention around Lorcan. So I, I met with, I met with uh, my agent and I came out of there and, and we talked, and we talked about like, like almost like this it was just a really like informal chat. And he's like, like what, what kind of films do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? Um, and I, like we were talking about, I was just like, I'd love to just do, I'd love to do like a, like a British drama, like what, like the, the stuff that I used to put on was on Channel 4, like This Is England, and he's like, right, yeah, and funnily enough, and it's not, like, it is a bit of a coincidence, but that was like one of the major, the first kind of major auditions that we got, yeah. but um, 
the next day I was meant to have meetings and I didn't go to them and, I just, and he rang me and he's just, just like, look, I'm, I usually don't, I don't want to freak you out, but I'm just chasing to see, because I know how I can represent you. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And, and he's like, yeah, are you going to be, how long are you going to be in London for? And my mate, Paulie, was moving back to Ireland to do a job for a month. And he's like, do you want to take, take the rent off me for a month? So I didn't leave. I stayed there and I tried to get like my SI, you know, your insurance. Yeah. So whatever it's called, SI number, started temping straight up like the next week, just before the London Film Festival. And then uh, it was, oh, yeah. And actually, do you know what's bad? Because I was walking around here. I'm on the place that used to temp in. It's just down the road. It was just in this office. This woman, this woman, woman. Like it was really, really fancy. I'm not going to say the name, but really, really fancy. Everyone go, go, goes in and out and shoots in uh, suits. <laughs> the kind of place where they're like whining and dining clients and the place was going bankrupt. It was mad. It was oh, like, you think, you think we're, you know, you think we pretend, you know, play pretend for a living, go into like a massive financial building where everyone's just lying to each other, pretend they've got money that they don't have. And um, yeah, so I was passing, funny enough, I was, that was like, yeah, was, that's where I was working. It was my first place I worked in and I worked there for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then you temp, so you'd be like a receptionist. Totally blagged my way in. Like, have yeah. you got any secretary experience? I'm like, oh yeah. Absolutely. How many words can you type a minute? I think I said something daft. <laughs> <laughs> like a thousand. It's like impossible. <laughs> um, yeah, and you just, uh, you know, I thought it was because it's great as a time because you don't, you not have a clue what the hell you're meant. To, you're there for a day in the front of a reception, <laughs> like pretending like you know what you're. No at. one's really checking up. No one's checking up. And They're just by, pleased that you're there. And by the time you mess up, you're on to another place. But. Uh, yeah, that was that's how I ended up in London, and then uh, came back after Christmas. So I went home for the Christmas, and over Christmas, my agent was like, "There's this, there's this casting that can you because I know your your month was up staying at your mate's gaff. Can you be back? Um, it's definitely worth one worth coming over for. Um, it's with this casting director I was trying to get you seen with Shaheen Beg and." Um, she'd love to see you for this Channel 4 project. And I was like, all oh, right, yeah, that sounds right up my street. And I didn't know what it was for. Yeah. He didn't, they didn't tell me who was attached to it. And um, It was all quite cloak and dagger at that time. Yeah. yeah. And there was, like, we went in, I read with her assistant, and it was like, she's going to read you out a paragraph, and straight off that, you just react. Come out with anything that you feel is right. And so they read out this paragraph about this girl who'd had a kid taken off her and she's now talking to her social worker and then we just kind of improvised a scene. I was like, and he rang me after, it was like, how did it go? And I was like, I don't know. I think it went okay. <laughs> Said well, some words. I think we can safely say it did go okay. It did go okay, yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting that we were talking about Parasite before because another thing I was thinking about um, with that film is... At one stage of the, that film, you go, "Oh, I kind of locked into it. I know what film I'm watching." Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, flips. It flips, and you go, "Oh, well, I'm watching that type of film." Yeah. And it reminds me. It's funny the way we started this and the way we're going to end it now is to talk about Calm with Horses because that first monologue going into that first scene of the film, and we don't need to say what it was about. I, in my sort of gut, I went, oh, right, okay, it's going to be this type of film. I don't know if I'm equipped to watch this, but I'm going to stick it out. And it ain't that type of film at all. It's completely something else, and it deals with such love and humanity overall. 
and I loved it to bits. And I'm really thrilled that you came on. Neve, thanks oh, so much. I'm so, I lo- listen to this podcast all the time. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I listen When I was travelling and I had to go temping, mm. and I'm going, what the fuck am I doing in London? <laughs> and I'd stick on, because like, the bus journey would be about 50 minutes, and I'd stick on a podcast, and I was just listening to actors and listening to their stories of... And it was just like, okay, yeah, you're. That, that was like, I, I, I felt like I had mates. It's really sad. I felt like I had mates in London because I was listening to that and I was like, just hearing the familiarities and what people's stories were and how they get to, because it's not linear at all. Yeah. Everyone's story is completely different. Exactly. That's why I found it so interesting. Yeah. But I'm, honestly, I'm really chuffed you came on. It's been brilliant. I've loved it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you, she is fantastic company, is Neve, and I can't thank her enough for coming on. And look, I know we spoke about the film, and we, we don't normally do that on the podcast, but I urge you, go along and see Calm With Horses. It opens in all UK and Ireland cinemas uh, tomorrow, the 13th of March. And as you heard at the beginning, you might think at the beginning there's a scene and you go, oh, God, I'm going to be strapped in. to to this type of film. It's not what you expect. It's not that type of film. It's so much more than that. All steered by incredible storytelling, fantastic direction, and just the performances are just top draw. So go along, support cinema, but more importantly, support independent cinema more time than ever right now. So please, I urge you, go and do it. Um, So look, that's it. Thank you honestly so much for downloading and uh, telling everybody and if there's somebody out there that that isn't involved with the podcast doesn't listen to it just tell them tell them to download an episode they might enjoy it word of mouth is key okay right i'm gonna go until next week do take care of yourself right stay safe stay sound until next week i've been craig parkinson he's been producer griff and this has been the two shot podcast Take it easy. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>